This podcast is brought to you by StoreMaven. I won't lie, I am an employee at StoreMaven, so I want to tell you a little bit about why it's the greatest company on earth. If you're interested in growing your app in any way, organically, paid, both, we have tools to help you do it, whether it's optimizing your creatives, measuring the success and the effect of different efforts that you're taking, or just telling you what people look for in an app. We're here to help you do it. Google algorithm is result-oriented. If you want to get installed for $1, it will do everything to give you the install for $1. If you want to purchase for like $15, it will use the placements that are giving it. So understanding where your ads are shown is very powerful thing. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes, a podcast by Stormaven. We break down how and why mobile apps grow. In each episode, we invite a mobile growth expert onto the show to break down a specific mobile growth strategy, how it worked, why it worked, and what they would do differently. I'm your host, Esther Schatz. Welcome to Mobile Growth and Pancakes. I'm super excited to be joined today by Natalie Drost. Drost, I feel like I, I uh, mixed it up now. In, no, uh... you did not. You made it right. Yes. yes. <laughs> Natalie, you want to introduce yourself for a few minutes? Uh just uh well what can i say i'm natalie i am huge fan of marketing and i work in marketing and i like it and when it comes to marketing i'm performance marketing manager when it comes to apps especially subscription-based apps uh, and my big low is app store optimization on both google play and ios and but I try to combine it with UEC campaigns and running Apple search ads because all those things are super interconnected. I'm a cat person, I'm a coffee person, and I am a bit of a sarcastic person. So a lot of jokes, and I will show you one very important thing. I want it to be in the podcast. That's my cat. Uh, her name is Cheesecake because I love cheesecakes. And she's my biggest inspiration. So if she interrupts me during the podcast, uh, no worries. It's just how I work every day. <laughs> That's uh, can can we ask cheesecake questions about mobile growth? Would she be uh, able to give us some ASO knowledge? Um, she will say meow and run away. <laughs> So now it's like monthly active users. She gets right. it. That's the that's yeah. the goal. She knows. <laughs> she knows that keeping the healthy amount of monthly active users is very important. <laughs> and it's something that she reminds me every day when she wants something. This is uh this is clever. This is how you motivate your team. You just get a cat to to shout at them every uh Perfect. There's a startup in this somewhere that we'll we'll deal with later. Um, okay, Natalie, you touched on it already, and I'm super excited to talk about this. So I'm going to jump straight in. When we talk about paid sources like UAC and Apple search ads, I mean, I think one of the big questions that I guess first let's just uh, let's make sure that we know what uh, and that everybody knows what we're talking about with UAC and uh, what it stands for. So, do you want to explain Google's uh, ad network for mobile a little bit? So, like, usually when people see my profile, it's ASO, ASA, and UAC. And if you don't work in mobile marketing, you have no idea what I'm working on. So, ASO stands for App Store Optimization. And as we are on this podcast, people should know what ASO means. So, when it comes to ASA, it's also a very familiar thing because it's App Search Ads by Apple. And like ASA and ASO are closely connected, but people always forget about UAC, which is 
kind of Google equivalent of ASA, like with heavy plus sign because it's not only about it, but universal app campaigns by Google. So when you run any campaigns for Google, you can do the search, you can do display, you can do video. But when it comes to when it comes to app promotion on Google, the only way you can do it is through universal app campaigns. And that's why UAC is like what it is, universal app campaigns. <laughs> So yeah, I mean it's it's uh it's an interesting both challenge and opportunity, right? So you have Google do this so that they can help you optimize and and make your campaigns as strong as possible, but you're missing a lot of that control. Like you you don't get to decide exactly what's going on. So how you know, when you're approaching UAC as somebody who's also focused on the ASO side and also focused on organics, how do you start, you know, kind of understanding what the power of this source is, how to create a strategy for it? Uh so the first thing, there are a lot of myths and policies about UAC. And of course, you don't have as much control as you have on Facebook ads, on Snapchat or TikTok. But uh, you still have control and we will talk about it, about different types of placements, about different types of creatives that you may use or you may skip if you want to. So like to, just to start with UAC. It's automatic. You do not choose placements. You do not choose where your ad is going to be shown. You just have five headlines, five description lines, up to 20 images, up to 20 video assets, and HTML5, playable ads, if you want to. Uh, to make your campaign run, you need just three assets, two headlines and one description. So if you do not have any resources dedicated to creative optimization and creative asset creation, UAC is a good choice for you because having your just, you do not need much imagination to create three text lines. You do not need to hire a designer to create images or a motion designer to create video ads, which are much more time consuming and of course much more expensive. So that's the process of it. It's simple, as simple as three text lines. Uh, but many people who want to do creative testing, people who want to like make their videos like stand out, they have problems with it because sometimes the system decides on its own which asset to choose. And sometimes, and actually very often, those assets are not the ones we want to get most impression on. Um, so yes, uh, it's simple when it comes to setting up the campaign and it's difficult when it comes to creative optimization and when it comes to uh, managing things. You can just cannot make something like, I want this image to work. No, it's not even working. You can't be too attached to your creatives, basically, but it's, uh, I, I mean, I totally agree. I think especially when you're looking at just getting results and that's the main focus. I mean, you have, you know, basically you let Google handle the performance and pretty much anybody can hit a campaign when they need to hit a campaign. Um, you know, I'd love to, uh, I'd love to talk a little bit about the connection between UAC and organics. Cause I think there's a lot of kind of uh, question marks and rumors about, you know, first of all, is there a connection? Can UAC impact organics for the good or for the bad? So I guess we'll start on that one and then I'll go to the, the follow-ups. Yep. Uh, so there, like, there are two types of connection, like direct and indirect. And very strong connection is on Google Play. Uh, not that strong connection is on uh, iOS. Uh, and the question hides in placements. On iOS, 
you do not have placements in App Store because that's where Apple Search Ads is. Uh, so on Google Play, you have a lot of super high-performing placements, which are ads in Google Play and which are run by UAC. You cannot buy any other placements in Apple uh, in Google Play, but on UAC campaigns. So indirect uh, impact is just typical impact that we have of any paid campaign. Uh, especially when you run video campaigns on YouTube, the more people see your video, maybe not everyone can click on it, but still some people will remind and the chance that he or she will decide to use your product just are increasing. So when it comes to videos or static images in display network, the impact is typical indirect and it's usually just the uplift about parent awareness and awareness of your app. But when it comes to Google Play advertising, by Google Pedders advertising, I mean running apps, uh, running ads for Android app and includes placement that include placement in Google Play. It gets a bit more interesting <laughs> because, first of all, uh, what are types of placements? That's type placements by keywords. When people are searching for a certain keyword, let's say like a uh, uh, fitness app, typical one, just a general keyword. And very likely the first two positions are ads. Uh, so, and those ads are UEC ads. And it means that people searching for an ad, searching for an app can download your app, not and one of your competitors. Uh, it doesn't work for all the keywords though in UEC campaigns because if it's a branded keyword, very likely just the brand will appear the first. So it doesn't apply to strong brand terms, like in any niche, starting from Uber, finishing to Tinder. If you type Tinder, you'll get Tinder in the first place. But if you look for dating app, taxi app, you can have a chance to get top one ranking thanks to UAC campaign. And this traffic will be in Google Play Console attributed as search. <laughs> because since the new console was launched, it gets more difficult and you cannot see how many exactly installs came from AdWords as it used to be in the old console. So we touched upon the search part. When people are searching, they get the top one or top two rankings, and those are ads. Firstly, it was only top one ranking, but then the Google figured out that people actually like clicking on top one, and then they added also the second placement as paid one. Well, things work that way. The second part is browse. Uh, and by browse, it's all other placements that are on search on Google Play. So when you're just scrolling down your feed, checking out the app of the day, some collections, there are also ads there. Also, when you go on the product page of any app that you didn't do not really like to download it, and you scroll down and you see you may also like, and there are also recommendations, which are ads, and people can download from there as well. And like those installs will be attributed as browse traffic and you can also see them in Google Play Console, but you do not know if it was similar apps, which is organic part, or it was recommended apps, which is an ad part. So the, the, so to sum it up this part, the connection is very strong on Google Play and it makes it very difficult to actually calculate the organic because if you run UAC campaigns, those installs will be in search, in browse, they will not be in third-party referrer, which makes it difficult to understand if that's your ASO strategy was working pretty well, or that UEC campaign that drives you a lot of good results.
Yeah, I think this is something, you know, that definitely we've spoken about a lot too, which is, you know, first of all, you want to be able to attribute your efforts, right? So if you can put kind of the dollar sign of what what brings your ROI, that's, you know, everybody wants to invest more in things that'll work well. And these are valuable UAC placements. They're they're relevant, unlike, you know, other ads you try to be as relevant. Here you're you're personalized and you're in the context that somebody is, you know, either looking directly for a keyword you relate to or they're in a in a boat where they're looking at other apps or where they're the kind of person who would be able to download. But I think um, you know, one of the other pain points that that you get from this is the idea of of cannibalization. So if you put a ton of work into getting your organic listing ranked first for, um, you had the example of fitness app, let's say you do a lot of work, you get ranked number one. Is there a potential, do you think, that by having the UAC placement above, you actually lose organic installs or pay for users you should have gotten for free because, you know, and and, uh, you're, you're not able to decide. You can't say don't bid on this word because I don't have the control over that. Yep, uh, this is a very good question, and this is very Apple search ad question because this typical typical habit over there, especially with branded keywords and brand cannibalization. However, when we talk about Google and Google search, you have to keep in mind that usually people get results not which are which are not the same. They are recommended for each person. So even though a lot of ASO tools show that you are ranked number one for certain keyword, it actually may not mean that you're ranked number one for this keyword, because it means that for the majority of cases that the system or the algorithm found out you were ranked number one, uh, because every search result is personalized. So when we go to any of our ASO reporting tools, I see that we are number one on fitness app. And at the same time, we are getting people from fitness app or keyword, which and we get and we are paid for them. But first of all, we cannot know about it. We just don't really know <laughs> because uh, on the Google uh, UAC part, there is no way to see what keywords are we bid for, like where, where the ad was shown, which is bad. But on the other hand, okay, and some ASO tools can show you like they have like the bots searching the queries and figuring out uh, how like how many advertisers are bidding for certain keywords. It's still a lot of uncertainty in this information because you cannot scratch all the data from the internet. You cannot know exactly everything about it. So I believe that cannibalization exists, but at the same time, if you don't bid for fitness app keyword, your competitor will. And it means that even though you rank number one according to ASO tools and you believe that you're really like number one everywhere, someone else will bid and will get this first placement. So it's kind of use it or lose it strategy. And it's yeah. painful because <laughs> like I'm number one with my organic growth and then someone is pays $5 for this placement and you're like... <clears throat> I'm more relevant. I belong here. <laughs> right. Um, but no, I think that's a really good point, which is that you you actually can't know what your ranking is because Google's personalization, it's, it's you know, kind of light years ahead of uh, of the app store personalization, especially. So, you know, it's, it's almost a necessary evil of saying, look, inherently I'm going to cannibalize some extent, but it's better than having somebody else eat out at my, at my traffic and uh, lose it all together. Yep, I mean, just for curiosity, you may turn off the campaign to see what's the difference to like, count the incrementality. 
and then just keep it in mind that according to us we have 1000 installs but in reality that's 800 installs so but even though 800 installs are still profitable and ROI is okay for us so let's keep doing the same uh, and like if you want to dig deeper we can split those things into like separate categories so like i will be a bit nerdy now but on uac you may see different placements uh, which are typical is like split by play search and browse uh, like search uh we did display and youtube yeah this is this and uh when it comes to placements you need to you may see where your ad is shown when you have video it means that's either YouTube or third party, like apps display network itself. But it's display network, it means that it, it is usually it's videos and it are images. And when you have search, the search are either queries in Google, in Chrome, in Google app itself, or Google Play. And when you know which asset gets how many impressions and on which placements you may figure out where your ad was shown so it takes some time to understand and to get it but as soon as you see for example that you have only search traffic it means that you get impressions only on google play search and on google like chrome search so to say so no browse impressions no youtube impressions and so on and so forth which means that maybe you need to work on your creatives if other placements don't work i like i like the hack of basically figuring out if you're not showing up in specific places you know and we can see this type of ad should be matching with this type of placement you have uh, your your you're not you, Google have sense that you're not doing great in those uh, in those positions and it's time for a refresh. Um, I mean, I'd love to dive in a little bit more about how you go about measuring UAC. What kind of goals do you set? What kind of metrics are you monitoring? How do you other than you know you mentioned one, which is placements and making sure that your creatives match those placements. How else are you setting you know kind of. Uh, analyzing which is going well and which isn't and knowing when to go in and, and create optimizations. So you see, uh, as it's super automatic, you cannot actually change a lot of things and it's not recommended to make changes very often because that's machine learning. And if you make a lot of changes, you just can uh, screw the system up very soon. So making changes one a week is enough. And how I make those changes. Uh, first of all, take a look what creatives get at least any impression. Because if something is not getting anything, it means that's a bad creative. It means that you have to change it. And usually Google reps recommend to change creatives like every two slash four weeks and to change all the low performing ones. However, from my experience, very often creatives do not even quit the learning phase. So if a creative is in learning phase for more than two weeks, just let it go and try to, and maybe relaunch it in the future sometime when you have bigger budgets and bigger more, more time to spend on it. Uh, different thing, uh, I like to think when measuring the campaign success, that's all about how this, actually the spend, this is simple as this, and the distribution between different creatives. Because very often, especially when it comes to videos, you have one winning video, which especially on YouTube, so like make it even like more narrow, you have one winning video on YouTube. 
But we know that sometimes creatives just creative fatigue starts and it, people are getting tired of it. And then your campaign dies. So that's the bad thing. <laughs> that's why you always have to force the system to use any other assets. Because if you have only one performing creative, you're like sacred cow, so to say, and then it grows old and then you have nothing else. And that's a bad thing. That's why I would come back to creative testing. So like, it's okay to have one strong performing asset, but let's you should always keep in mind that it will die one day and you have to have, keep something to substitute it. Uh, also like different trick, uh, but it's not about measuring the success. It's about understanding where your ads are shown is about when you see the number of impressions on the campaign level, you see all the impressions that were served at all. But when you go to the ad Google breakdown by creative, you may see that there are not the sum of the creatives that are in the ad group. So let's like put it this way. On the campaign level, you, let's assume you see 1 million creatives. On the ad group level, you see like 500, uh, 500,000, 300,000, 200,000. So it's still 1 million. But when you go on the ads level, you see that there is nothing. And this is okay, because it means that the system just uses your image, your icon, and your uh, feature image, like your cover photo. Or so it, it's a very strong signal that your creatives do not work. Then Google decides to use your icon instead of your text and images to drive any results. So, like, let's just keep in mind the Google algorithm is result oriented. It doesn't care if you like your creatives or not. Like, if you want to get installed for $1, it will do everything to give you the install for $1. If you want to purchase for like $15, it will use the placements that are giving it the in-app action for $15. So understanding where your ads are shown is very powerful thing. <laughs> so maybe it's like a bit wider thing. I didn't like answer your question directly, but it's all the things that I try to keep in mind when I'm analyzing UACs. So you've, uh, I mean, you've created hundreds, I guess, uh, if not thousands of, uh, of creatives that go into UAC. And I think one cool thing about the platform is it doesn't really leave room for your opinion, meaning you don't get to love a creative and, uh, you know, if it's not performing, it's not going to be shown. What would you say was your most uh, surprising result of any, you know, any of the, the campaigns that you've run? Something that really performed outside of how you expected? <laughs> Let me think about it. <laughs> uh, now, maybe it wasn't super surprising, but the, uh, what I noticed, I tried to run like certain videos very much and I added it to in-app purchase campaigns like so uh, CPA campaigns for purchases but it didn't work at all like I tried it three or four times it didn't work and then I decided to add the same video in the CPI campaign on a different location and it worked pretty well because CPI campaigns usually are a bit easier to optimize because you do not need to go for ineffections. They are optimized on the install level. And those videos started getting views and they were shown to many people and they thought, oh my God, it's so good. And 
surprisingly, in the campaign, in the CPA campaign, I didn't delete videos from there. So the ad, the video were started to get shown over there too. So CPI campaign was used kind of like a boost to... Interesting. As soon as the system receives signals that the videos are good and like the typical like view duration was okay, it, it started driving installs, it also started to get used in the CPA campaign. It made me super happy. So that's one of like the creative testing strategy that's okay to use. So if your main campaigns are for purchases, it's good to try creatives run on CPI campaigns. They are cheaper when it comes to CPMs and installs. They are not usually as profitable as CPA campaigns, but they can help to boost your performance and like in the long grade. That's yeah. so interesting. So basically you you can get users. I mean, when you're not looking at that hyper focus, you know, CPA, it goes, it goes deep into the focus of who's actually gonna, you know, complete these specific actions. So you're narrowing down the audience that it's gonna be relevant for, um, which maybe makes it harder for Google to optimize because you need a specific amount of samples in there to validate if this is something that that creates the right CPA. And what you did was you basically, you told Google, look, there's there's something here. I'm sure this will catch somebody's interest. And you tested it at the level above of, is it just getting engagement? Is it interesting people? And then you had enough data set to actually go in and, and get those those higher value ones too. Um, actually, I haven't heard that yet. So that's, uh, that's uh, super interesting. I guess, you know, the question there is, um, you know, how do, how do you kind of validate for, for quality in that case, meaning if you're running for, I think one of the, it's it's especially coming up in the age of iOS 14.5, when you lose a lot of the ability to target users based on those in-app behaviors, you end up naturally going for that install. How do you balance between, you know, kind of sacrificing? What if you have a really valuable campaign that just brings in the wrong type of user, but it's bringing in a ton? I mean, this is something I'm working on right now and I still <laughs> don't have any good answer to it. And I don't think there are many people who know how to deal with it. Uh, some like really good professionals already started running CPI campaigns just to see how it's going to be in the world of, 18, uh, of iOS 14.5. Uh, according to what Google says, you are still able to run CPA campaigns. Maybe their quality will be questionable, especially at the beginning of OS 14.5. But like, let do not forget about those type of campaigns. Maybe they will be worse, and I assume they will be worse. But still, <laughs> like, they are better than install volume campaigns because at the level of install campaign, its optimization ends. I brought you the cheapest install possible. Thank you. Goodbye. Like, let's it. And uh, the CPA campaign still has at least some chance to get those in app event. And Google already did it when it came to iOS traffic on Safari, because Safari does, doesn't send like the information back to Google. So on iOS, search traffic was extrapolated, meaning they like had information from Chrome, but they didn't have information from Safari. That's why like this data actually never matched in Adjust or in AppSquire, because in your ad account, you had one value, and in your MMP, you had a different value. 
So Google already knows how to do that. Uh, the thing, it will be more difficult for us to measure it. Right. I think, look, I mean, if you uh, if you go back to the early days of UAC when it first started, it w- you know, now I don't think any of us doubt how effective UAC is as, a, as an ad campaign. You know, pretty much every developer who's spending on UA is going to use UAC in some capacity. Um, but in the early days, the algorithm was shakier. It wasn't, a, you know, it took, it took that learning period. So I think you're right in that we're probably going to see something similar when it comes to the CPA campaigns, which is a period where you need to sort of let Google figure it out and, and tweak and adjust. And then, you know, if you've had the patience to stick it through, you have that leg up on, you know, once the algorithm is kind of improved. But I do think the one point that you made, which is you don't really have a way of measuring it so well, meaning it'll be very hard to validate, um, especially short term and in real time, how uh, how successful it is. No real time. Forget no real time. That, that statement's <laughs> over. It's dead. All incrementality, all the time. I mean, like, okay, so we are all in the same boat and it's good news, meaning there are not people who are privileged to have like ability to track. Everyone is on the same page. Everyone is in the same boat. So we're all screwed. Uh, (laughs) but it means that if the market the whole market suffers there will be change in demand and supply so definitely google will have to figure something out because they don't want to lose their advertisers otherwise they will lose money and that's not what uh, big companies like to do Uh, so i'm not super kind of panic about it because that's how things are we cannot change it we can be prepared for it and the most important thing is just to like when it comes to like budget planning and campaigns, just let your like, management know that we are just about to enter super high turbulence. So don't expect plus 200% ROI. Let us split the budgets so we are able to test, but maybe let's forget about scaling for some time. So it's all about communicating the current weather on app marketing and to not not making any life-changing decisions because if you decide to spend half of your yearly budget because like let's spend it now before the IS 14.5 and then it figures out that IS 14.5 maybe turns out not to be such a typical beast. Well, not panicking is the best thing you can do. probably uh advice that goes well outside of the world of mobile growth but yeah I, uh you know I hear what you're saying I guess this ties into I mean it it probably would change your answer a bit given the current time but when it comes to you balance some companies have you know separate bodies of, of paid marketing arms and ASO and, and more the organic side, but it's something that you focused on both of those sides. Um, how do you figure out prioritization? I think a lot of people, when it comes to talking about investing in ASO, until now it's been, you know, it's just, it's harder for us to measure the ROI. So we're going to put our money where we have that cleaner measurement. Um, you know, that's going away. But would you agree with that statement anyway up until now? How do you make that prioritization of where your efforts go? Uh, everything depends where you may find more low-hanging fruit, if any. And if your strategy is already on very high level, you just figure out what is of higher urgency. So in the light of IS 14.5, like more attention to paid marketing because you had to update your ad accounts to figure out if everything is ready for the switch 
Uh, and every time you just ask yourself where I can, what I can do in the shortest time possible to get the results as soon as possible. And sometimes, especially on early stages, so you just need one release to get ranked for most relevant keywords, especially when it wasn't done in the past, where people do not use right strategies, you just change anything and wow, magic works. Uh, however, if you're a specialist which works for the same map for a very long time, uh, it's not the case anymore because with every next release, with every next uh, just the A-B test you run, there are less and less local input to find. Actually, the same applies to paid UA because it's all about testing new ways of bidding, new audiences, new creatives. And also what is interesting for me is always keep in mind if there are any special events coming, for example, Christmas, Easter, holiday, to adjust your product pages. So it's more about conversion rate optimization and ASO part. Uh, if there are any like things going on in product when you need to get more users, so it's more about UA part. For example, like one big test and you need to get a lot of users to get it validated as soon as possible. And I still do not divide it pretty much because they're super connected. Like also a different example on Google and actually on Apple too, the system may use screenshots from your app uh, on UEC campaigns. It happens very often on display network. And this is the case when you see that you get a lot of display traffic, but none of your images was used, which means that the system might have used your uh, just screenshots from the store. And that's why you have to keep your screenshots A, informative, B, catchy and good looking, three, like desirable and nice. Uh, and like when you analyze the placements, when you analyze how your ASO is doing, like if you are already in the like, third quarter, the first quartile, when your question is about like about average and everything is super nice, maybe it's some time to invest more in your like long-term strategy. But when you see that something terrible is going on, your convention is dropping and you are not getting ranked for keywords, especially like when we're talking about teams where there are not just one person, you have to concentrate on it. You have to solve the problem, which is on your table right now. Because how I look at ASO, every person that we bring with uh, organic optimization, like extra optimization, it's alternative cost that you could have paid for Facebook, UAC, or any other advertiser. So when you increase your conversion rate for 1%, it means that you might have saved like hundreds and hundreds of dollars in the cost you that, that you had not spent on paid networks. I totally agree. I think you, you kind of have to look at organic in a way as a network at your disposal because you know that your activities are what you know, affect organics coming and they don't fall out of the sky. Nobody wakes up in the morning and thinks like, I'm going to download an app uh, that's called this and this because it sounds like a cool name. You know, something brought brought those users there and you have to think about the cost of that versus the cost exactly like you said. It's it's money that we've saved versus an ad campaign somewhere else and it was, it was this level of cost effective. Um, I guess one more question before we move into the quick fire round. Um, you know, do you think... UAC is such a, it's a, it's a really interesting and really powerful network, especially for Google, because you have all of these placements. 
Do you see ASA evolving, um, you know, over the next year or so? Do you see it uh, maybe expanding its its reach or changing the way and the, the frequency of how ads are shown? Uh, first of all, there are a lot of rumors about ASA growing, getting new placements, getting display stuff, and now official information from Apple itself, but a lot of people and rumors talking about it in the app community. And I think that Apple will definitely invest more in ASA because like taking a look at like huge Google success with UAC, a uh, very good thing I, I recommend is every year, if I'm not mistaken, it just gives a report. What are the top spending networks on Google, on an Apple, in terms of installs, in terms of in-app purchases, in terms of all the things. And when you look and at Android, it's always UAC being like first or second, changing with Facebook and on iOS, Apple search ads usually it's like second or third, which means they want to get more and they have all the possibility to get more, especially taking into account that Apple uh, tries to be more cautious about sharing data. <laughs> That's all <laughs> iOS 14.5 is about. It means that they want to get even more monopolistic and they want to be the one who sells and buys user, user impressions, not sharing with anyone else. So on one hand, it's good when it comes to data protection, but it's bad when it comes to monopoly over your, your information. So there are no good or bad things. There are no like black or white. For me, it's just both. And coming back to the question about ASA, it will definitely grow because Apple will be the one having most information about purchasing poverty, about frequency of app usage, about the the time every person spends on the mobile phone. And of course, about it will have the access to placements and to show ads effectively because people continue using all the apps on iOS phones, but still take into account SCAD network, it will not be so easy to target the right ones. Meaning everyone else will show the ads, but they will not be as relevant and Apple will show the most relevant ads. <laughs> okay, amazing. Makes sense. You ready for the quick fire round? I'm ready. Okay, here we go. If you could give just one tip to somebody uh, aspiring to be a mobile growth marketer, what would it be? Mm. Oh, be patient. Uh, yeah, just be patient. Favorite mobile growth resource? Thomas Petit and his Twitter. <laughs> I also, uh, I love, we just, uh, we he dropped the first uh, F-bomb on our podcast, so we're especially Yes, I know. Like, <laughs> he's very straightforward. The best, the best. All right, person in the mobile growth space that you'd most want to take for lunch and why? Uh, that's maybe Gabe from Incipia. Uh, or someone from feature team uh, because I just love how they work and what they do. Uh, or maybe Andre Kempe. He's also a very smart marketing guy. Nice. Okay, most important question. What is your favorite type of pancake? With chocolate. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer and fast. That often takes people a little more time. Um, Natalie, amazing. Where can people find you if they want to... Uh, Keep uh, keep track of what you're doing and what your thoughts are. 
they may ask my cat where to find me every single <laughs> moment. But like, also normally I am on LinkedIn. Uh, I think that you will add maybe my LinkedIn profile in the description. And uh, like normally you may find me in Ukraine drinking coffee somewhere, but well, when COVID is over, maybe somewhere else in the world. <laughs> I, uh, I I hear that. Somewhere warmer. Come here. It's uh, The weather's nice and we have a lot of cats, so oh. it'll work out. <laughs> I will. <laughs> okay. Amazing. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us and uh, and for sharing everything. And I hope it, uh, it warms up and that you, you don't see any more snow for a little while. Oh, I hope so too. Thank you very much for such a warm and also very informative conversation. It's my pleasure talking to you. Your questions were right at this point. Oh, thank you. And that was Mobile Growth and Pancakes. To find out more about StoreMaven and how we can improve App Store performance, visit StoreMaven.com. And then make sure to search for Mobile Growth and Pancakes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, in Google Podcasts or anywhere else podcasts are found and click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Stormaven, thanks for listening.